0: Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. So today's episode is going to be on, is there really a hell? And before we get into that, I'm just asking for some prayer. Am I going for surgery tomorrow morning? And as uh, for shoulder surgery, so the next two podcasts, this one and the next one, will be modified a little bit. I'm going to have Billy Graham audio a little bit more than I usually do just so I can recover from my surgery. So uh, bear with me for the next couple of weeks, we'll be good. So here we go with, is there really a hell? So why should we be concerned about hell from Rick Warren? Heaven and hell are real. God wants you to understand this eternal reality and all the realities of life that are found in the word, the Bible. The first reality of life is that God made you to love you and he wants you to learn to love him back. The great commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. From Matthew 22:37. The second rea- reality of life is this: you were made to last forever. Ecclesiastic 3:11 says, "He has planted eternity in the human heart." No matter how good things are at this on this planet, at some point in your life you'll think there's got to be more than this, and there is. You're going to spend far more time on the other side of death than on the, this side. This life is preparation for your life in eternity. Because of that, you have the third reality of life. God has prepared two eternal places, heaven and hell. God has been preparing heaven since the foundation of the world. Jesus says in Matthew 25:34, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. You don't have to stay forever on a planet broken by sin. You can choose to go to a place of perfection and in God's presence forever. But hell is also a real place. Jesus goes on to say, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. From Matthew twenty-five forty-one, Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Who rebelled against God. But now it's a reality for anyone who chooses to rebel against God. So I do want to talk about hell, not because I want you to be scared or depressed. I want you to understand the truth about hell so that you can fully embrace the fourth reality of life. You get to choose where you'll spend eternity. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, I am not giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse. And I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. God wants you to choose life and to spend eternity with him. He's opened the door to heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus promised, anyone who believe in me is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe in me will be condemned from Mark 16:16. So when you choose to believe in Jesus, you're guaranteed everlasting life with God in heaven. What a promise. So over the years as a Christian, I've seen a lot of people ask, Is there really a hell? Is that fact or fiction? Is it an actual place? Well, the answer to this question rests in the authority of the scripture, because the Bible certainly teaches us a very real and very terrible place of punishment for those who keep Christ out of their lives. It's very sad to me that we so often hear people speak of hell lightly too many it is something to be joked about or a curse word used casually. The fact of the reality of hell is taught throughout the Bible in innumerable passages. The Lord Jesus Christ himself probably had more to say about it than anyone else. He was a teacher with the most impressive credentials, a sinless life, a miraculous ministry, and an empty tomb that could not hold him. Christ is often spoken of as gentle Jesus, meek and mild but that label hardly fits with the language we find in Mark chapter 9 as he affirms the fact and reality of hell. And in the Bible we read these strong statements. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better to thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. Into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and if thine eye offend thee pluck it out it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm dieth not the fire is not quenched from mark 943 through 48 in another passage, Christ calls the scribes of the Pharisees a generation of vipers and warns them, how will you escape the damnation of hell from Matthew 23, Those are pretty strong words from the Lord Jesus. He laid it out online. He told it like it is. When someone questions the fact and reality of hell, he actually questions the authority of the Bible and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Christian faith is all tied up together, and when it is attacked at one point, it becomes vulnerable at all. It holds together beautifully. If Christ is the Son of God, and if He came into time from eternity and came into the world from heaven and died and rose again from the dead, then anything He ever said on any subject is worth hearing and ought to be heeded, and it is really to be received without question. So people who have problems with the fact of reality of hell sometimes do not realize that their real problem is with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and why he came to the world. There have arisen some among evangelical Christians who argue that these traditional views are founded on early Greek philosophy and that the biblical texts are capable of alternative interpretation. There are two texts of scripture that suggest to me that hell involves everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, 46 sums up the judgment on the sheep and the goats with the words, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The same word eternal is used to describe the punishment of the wicked and the blessings of the righteous. Whatever we say about the duration of eternal life for believers must be said about eternal punishment for unbelievers. Since life for believers is everlasting, so must be the punishment for the unbelievers. In a second text, Revelations 20.10, John describes those in the lake of fire being tormented day and night forever and ever. The expression day and night is used in Revelations to express the concept of forever. The lake of fire is described in Revelations 19.20 as a place that burns without brimstone. In the saddest verse in the Bible, John declares that anyone whose name is not written in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire, from Revelation 20.15. This doctrine of eternal punishment for those who have rejected Christ appears to be thoroughly biblical. This is not an easy teaching or one that brings us joy, but the unpleasantness of a doctrine should not cause us to deny biblical truth. So next, I want to introduce the song, and it's called I Love the Story by the Tommy Walker Ministries. And here it is.
1: Alright, I'm going to tell y'all a story. This is the greatest story ever told. It goes like this. Before he put that first breath into man My body had the the rain
0: What a great song by Tommy Walker Ministries. And the favorite part of the song that I like is when he sings, I love this story in all of its glory. When Jesus came to earth, came to set the sinners free. I love this old story because now it's my personal testimony. Jesus, he died and he rose and now he lives inside of me. And again, like I said earlier, I'm having shoulder surgery. So I'm kind of doing a couple of modified podcast. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on Is There Really a Hell? And here it is.
2: I want you to turn with me to the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And beginning at verse 19, there's a story that Jesus told. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am entormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you're in torment. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, they would not. But if one came from the dead, they will repent And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one rose from the dead. Well, I'm up here tonight, not to say go to hell, but rather go to heaven. And I'm urging you not to say I'll be damned, but instead I'll be saved. And this story, the word hell is used translated hell in our authorized version though it's actually Hades because Hades was in two compartments apparently. One was called paradise and one was called the place of torment and they could apparently see across the gulf between each other and the word hell today is constantly used as a swear word. You hear it on television, you see it in the films, you see it in the writings of people and you hear it at work and you hear it in school. You can never understand hell, though, until first you understand the great love, mercy, and grace of God. Hell was not made for man. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But some have taken license and imagination and distorted the idea of future judgment. It causes some people to say that God is not a God of love. And they've distorted the biblical concept of the love of God. People do not want to be warned of judgment and hell. And you say, it's none of my business. And some people say, we're not really lost. The devil said that to Eve in the Garden of Eden. When God said, you'll die, you'll die if you eat of that fruit, of that forbidden tree. The devil came and whispered in her ear through the serpent and said, you will not surely die. Now that is called universalism. In other words, everybody is saved. They just don't know it, some people are saying. And we have a subtle form of universalism that's sweeping through even evangelical groups today that will not surely die, that there's no such thing as hell. But I believe there is, according to the teachings of Scripture. I think it's intuitive. I think man all over the world believes that someday he's going to have to give an account and he's going to have to suffer in some way for the disobedient life that he lived here. And then Jesus constantly taught it. Nobody in Scripture talked about hell more than Jesus. He said, Whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. He said in the 13th of Matthew, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And if thy right hand defend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and to go to hell. He said it's better to go through life with just one eye, one hand, one leg, than to go to hell with it all. The Bible teaches that there are at least three kinds of hell. First, there is hell in the heart. Thousands of people have hell in your heart. And that's where it all begins. Much of the world assumes that human nature is good. But the Bible teaches that it's basically evil. By nature, we are selfish, sinful, wayward, and lost. In sin did my mother conceive me. We're all sinners and we were born in sin. And then when we reach the age of accountability... Maybe seven, eight, or nine, or ten years of age. We chose to sin. Then we became sinners by practice. And we practice sin. It's because human nature is evil. Human nature is bad. And that's the reason it needs redemption. It needs transforming. It needs the new birth. And that's what Christ came to do. Hell in the heart. There's the hell of guilt. A man who wrote me some time ago who uh, was cheating on his wife. He was living part-time with another woman in another city. And he said, I'm actually living in hell. He found himself caught, and it was hell. And the Bible teaches that there's a burning, death-dealing hell in the human heart. And the very people seem so good, wholesome, and splendid, may be changed into vicious killers and maniacs overnight. Paper people, they say that were good people, fine people, are doing all sorts of things that they never dreamed that they would be doing. So there's that in the heart, guilt. Then there's the hell of unrest. The Bible states, the wicked are like the troubled sea. I Met many other people who were there just searching for something, they didn't know what. I saw Americans and people from Japan and everywhere else running as though their life depended on it. They didn't know where they were going or what they were doing, they were just going. Trying to find some rest and peace. There's the hell of lust. She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Someone asked me the other day what the word lust means. But lust means not to just look at a woman or a man and admire them. It means that if you had the opportunity, you would commit immorality. In other words, you lust so much you would give in if you had the chance. And many people fantasize and they lust in their fantasies. And then there's the hell of hatred. This hell of hatred has erupted into wars and riots and all kinds of conflicts. Hell has been moved to earth. And lastly, there's the hell in the future. And the future hell is a projection of the hell that you have now in your heart, in your home, in our world. Except it goes on and on. Jesus spoke more about hell than any person in the Bible, as I said a moment ago. But he warned us to flee from it. It is the very fact of hell that makes the love of God so amazing and so glorious. The fact that it was made for the devil and his angels, and we listened to the devil and followed the devil, and we do what the devil says. And yet God loves us so much that he devised a plan to save us so that we'll never have to spend one day in hell. Now what is the nature of hell? Well, many mysteries surrounding this subject. Essentially and basically it is separation from God. We're separated from God by sin and that continues out into eternity. And there are three words that Jesus used to describe hell. He used the word death. You see, God is life and you're separated from the life of God. You're dead, spiritually dead, separated from God. And then he used the word out of darkness. God is light. We're separated from the light, so we live in darkness. And then he uses the word fire. And I've often wondered if that is a terrible fire within our hearts for God, for fellowship with God that can never be quenched. We've rejected God. We've turned our back on God. We can never know God. It indicates in this story that this man did not have a second chance. It indicates in this story that this man became very evangelistic. He wanted to reach his brothers. Think of it, he was in hell. And he wanted his brothers to be reached by somebody. To go to his home and warn his brothers not to come here. Do anything but not, don't come here. And those people that have gone on before that may be suffering the pangs of hell now out in eternity, would stand here and warn you. Turn away. Repent of your sins. Receive Christ. Be sure of your relationship. Don't come to this place. It's the banishment from the presence of all that is joyous and good and righteous and happy. And the scripture says, prepare to meet thy God. You know, we prepare for everything except death. We prepare for education, business, careers, marriage, old age. But not for the moment of judgment. We take out every kind of insurance that we possibly can. And we worry about our old age pensions and social security and all the rest of it. But do you have assurance of your relationship with Christ? It's appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. Death is an occurrence that each man deems unnatural when related to himself, but natural when related to others. We know the other man's going to die. We know that cancer is going to hit the other person. We know that that other person may die of a heart attack or be in an automobile crash tomorrow, but not me. And we live as though we're going to live like this forever and we're not. It'll all be over in a short time for everybody here. And you'll be in eternity. Where will you be? Banished from God? Or with Christ in paradise? The man on the cross that was dying with Jesus was a terrible sinner. He deserved to be crucified. He deserved the punishment according to the law. And he said he deserved it. And he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he said, remember me. He didn't have time to be baptized. He didn't have time to join a church. He didn't have time to do anything except just believe. And Jesus said, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Think of it. The first person that Jesus took into paradise with him was that thief, that murderer that man that deserved hell. But on the cross, Christ was dying for people like Him. And Christ was dying for people like you. And the hardest people to reach are not people like Him. They know they're sinners. They know they need God. It's people like some of us, well dressed, we go to church, we have a a, a little bit of religion, but it's not first in our lives, it's not the major thing in our lives and we have just enough religion to keep us from getting a real dose of salvation in Christ. You've been inoculated. And you feel that you don't have a spiritual need. What about that person that says that they're happy and got a good income, a good job, a good family, and all the rest, I don't need God. I don't need Christ, what do I need him for? You're going to need him, brother. And sister, you're gonna need Him very badly before very long. You better come now while you have an opportunity. The Bible says, now is the accepted day, time. And now is the day of salvation. Come when you can. You can't come to Christ just any time you want to. You can come only when the Holy Spirit has convicted you and drawn you and where the Word of God has been proclaimed. Have you come to Christ? As I said in the beginning, I don't like to speak on this subject, but it's a part of the Bible. And it's an important part of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying these things myself. I'm only passing on to you the teaching of Christ, what Jesus taught. And I do it with a broken heart. I wish there were no such thing as hell, but there is. I wish there were no such thing as sin, but there is. I wish there were no such thing as murders and wars and all that, but there is. And there is a hell. But thank God there's a heaven. There's a paradise. And that's where Jesus is. You're on your way to paradise with Christ. You can be sure. The Bible says, these things I write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. Paul said, I am persuaded that he can keep all those things I've committed unto him. Against that day, I know. You can know. What would I have to do? right, you'd have to do three things. First, you must repent of your sins. Repent means to change. Change your mind. Change your way of living. Let Christ come and help you change. He'll help you do the changing. You can't change by yourself. You're too weak. But if you'll say, Lord, I'm willing, He'll help you. And then the second thing is by faith receive Christ who died for you and rose again. By faith. You can't understand it all. But you come by faith and you trust and you put your total confidence in Him. In Him alone. And then thirdly, you obey Him and follow Him and serve Him. And work for Him. And do all the good works that you possibly can for His sake. In His name helping your neighbor, loving your neighbor. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples and that you have love one to another. Are you willing to do that?
0: So that does bring an end of our episode today. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on Jesus, the hope of the world. Hey, so you can connect with me at positive life podcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Life for free. Hey, thanks for the prayers regarding the shoulder surgery. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.